Good evening. Welcome into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shopta at C70. You've got David Jones over there at IPOP Editor, and we're coming to you after one of the more successful weeks of Cardinal Baseball of 2023. The Cardinals took both series uh, from the Braves, of all people, and the Reds. Um, Apparently playing spoiler fits this team. Who would have thought? Well, I'm going to take your word for it because I had a tough time finding these games on TV. Did they actually, <laughs> if it if it happens on Apple TV, does the game actually count? Uh, it seems to. Uh, I hope so, since they won that one. If they had lost, then we could toss it out. But uh, Yeah, you know, I had a very, I guess, a unique perspective uh, this week because I live in Nashville, Tennessee. And in Nashville, you have the Braves games and the Reds games that are blacked out on MLB TV. Mm. So to watch the Cardinals play the Braves or Reds, I have to actually watch the home broadcast for the car- for the Braves and the Reds, which is not always the greatest, not always fun. Yeah. Um, nothing against Braves fans, but I do not like them very much. Uh, family <laughs> members included. Uh, they won't listen, so I can say that. But um but yes, uh, aside from the fact that I had to listen to the away announcers, and I'm joking about all that stuff in case yeah. they do listen, uh, listening to the away announcers, and then having to navigate um, basically GameCast because I wasn't going to pay for Apple TV again, mm-hmm. uh, it was a successful week. And I don't know if the team's just playing a little more relaxed or if um, maybe we're starting to see who this team's supposed to be just a little bit late. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's actually kind of enjoyable to get some wins and see some balls leave the ballpark. And I think that's the biggest thing, right? We The Cardinals won this week by doing what they can do well, which is hit the ball out of the ballpark. Uh, they did not do it by pitching good games, um, which is kind of in line with everything else. And in fact, one of the best games that we saw pitched, at least until it went a little too long, was the Adam Wainwright game, which, of course, the Cardinals couldn't win. Uh, because they're contractually obligated to leave Adam Wainwright at 198, it seems like. Um, but, you know, overall, it was still, the pitching was bad, but the offense was strong enough to overcome that. And, you know, I know you remember the old launching pad. I did not realize the new ballpark in Atlanta was quite the same way, but the Cardinals sure treated it like that. Yeah, and, you know, I think the thing that was most telling on some of that was, um, you would think if anybody knew the ball was going out of the ballpark, it would be Chip Carey. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's seen enough balls hit there that he would know. But he sounded surprised by some of those home runs. Like some of the Nolan Gorman shots, it, it, and even Jordan Walker, he seemed surprised that the ball actually got over the fence. And so, you know, off the bat, some of those did not look like they had any chance of getting out. And they just kept carrying and carrying, and they were gone. Um, it's not something that we're used to seeing at Bush Stadium. No. Uh maybe the Cardinals would do a little bit better this year if they had that. I don't know, maybe worse. But, uh, you know, at this point in the season, it's a lot more fun to win a game like 11 to 8 than it is mm-hmm. to win a 3 to 1 game. You know, we're not worried about the pitching as much anymore because right. the season's over. And so a win is a win. But if, you know, if they can hit four home runs, so be it. It's it's fun to see. Yeah, it's nice to have a little bit of, you know, even if they want to lose a game 11 to 8, you know. That's fine too, because at least you've gotten some enjoyment out of it versus a, you know, three to one game where they can't get a but one hit or something of that nature. I mean, not that they had any games like that this week, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. It was you're right. It was fun. It was not indicative of anything. Um, 
you know, apparently it just proves sweeps are hard on both ends. Cause it, you know, for most of the year, it felt like the Cardinals would lose the first two games of a series and then somehow rally to win the last game and then go into the next ballpark and lose the first two again. They turned it on the script on its head a little bit. Um, and maybe who knows, they go to Baltimore, they're still playing spoiler. Maybe they could continue that. Although they won't get to face Jack Flaherty, which would make it a little bit easier. You took the words right out of my mouth. That's where I was going with that, too. He has had some major trouble lately. Uh, but I will say on the good side, one of the things with the Cardinals that's been fun to watch is the emergence of Jordan Walker. Mm-hmm. Like, we're seeing this guy do what we we know he can do this. We know that this is what is coming and what his future looks like. But still to see him doing what he's doing right now at the age of 21 is remarkable. I mean, the guy, his batting average, I think now is over 270 or it's close to it. We're seeing the ball jump off his bat. You know, I've been watching him all season long and just seeing him swing. And sometimes when you're watching that straight on view that the camera usually has, the swing of his bat, it looks just a little stiff. Like it, it just doesn't it's not necessarily the prettiest swing when you're watching it straight on. And I kept thinking like something, there's something here. It reminds me of something and I cannot think of what it is. And the more I watched it, it finally clicked. And I realized Jordan Walker is so big of a man that it looks like he has a toothpick in his hand that he's (laughs) swinging. And the last time I remember seeing that in the Cardinal uniform was Mark McGuire, when it just looked like he was dwarfing that bat. And that bat just should have been so much bigger because he was so big of a man. I see that with Jordan Walker. Like it just looks like that bat is so tiny in his hands. And when he swings, it looks a little stiff because the bat is so little. But then when you see that side view and you see that beautiful swing and then you hear it and Chip Carey remarked on that a couple times this week about just the sound of the ball coming off his bat. It's unlike anything you hear with anybody else on the team right now. And then you just see the ball travel 400 and something feet. That's been a whole lot of fun to watch. I hope that's something that continues. He can continue to build on that for these remaining 20 plus games, however many are left, um, because I think it's going to send him into the offseason with a lot of confidence. I think we're seeing that same thing with his outfield play, too. Uh, it was pretty dreadful to start the season, which we expected. The guy had not really played much out there. We're seeing a different player out there, and we're starting really to see what this guy is going to be like going forward for the Cardinals. And that's given me a lot of hope and a lot of optimism going into the offseason because the Cardinals have a superstar on their hands who is still far away from hitting his peak. Yeah, I'm just pulling up his baseball savant page and looking at his, you know, his rolling uh, ex-Wova. And, you know, right about August 31st, he, he, you know, September 1st, he's, he's in the upper 290s, which is right around league average. And this month, right now, he's at 340, which is uh, well above average. It, it has clicked with him. I mean, and, and we kind of knew it was going to happen, right? The, the, the reps and everything like that. It's also clicking in the outfield as well. I mean, his numbers are still down and he may not be making anything, any really super spectacular catches all the time. He has a, had a few here and there, but he's making, it It looks better, right? I mean, he's not making mm-hmm. the, the whiffing on obvious balls or anything like that. We've seen him throw runners out. Um, you know, again, maybe the outfield is not his long-term place, but if, you know, he's definitely going to be there for another year or two. And he, he's doing enough that he's not going to be the huge liability there. Um, it would be very interesting and I don't have a chance to do it right now, but just to look at his overall numbers for the last, you know, hundred at bats or something like that. 
and see what that was compared to what everything else was. Cause it really felt like somewhere, you know, mid August, he just said, and I think you've seen the interviews. He said, he's just going to play his game. You know, he's a little more comfortable, a little more, you know, cognizant of how the league works. Um, you know, they had a chance to bring up Mason Wynn. He wasn't the young guy anymore. He had, he was the seasoned veteran compared to Mason Wynn. Maybe that's what it took. Um, but it has clicked and it's been a lot of fun. You're right. I, we were talking about it on Mutual this week. You know, I mean, he's for a while there, it didn't feel like he was really in the rookie of the year race. And he's no, I mean, it's Corbin Carroll's award, I'm sure. But, you know, he's going to be getting some votes in that second, third, fourth category. Whereas, you know, at the All Star break, I don't think we thought that was going to happen. Right. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it would not have been out of the question for him to end this year hitting maybe like 230 with 12 home runs or something like mm-hmm. that. And I think even if that happened, we'd go, so what? Like, you know, this guy's going to be great. We're not really worried about it. And so the fact that he has really come on and he has shown himself at 21, the guy, he, you know, I feel like we're not having to make excuses for him. We're not right. having to say, well, he's only 21 where he's only mm-hmm. a rookie or he's he's really never played the outfield before. We're at the point now where we can throw that out the window and just say this guy is a big league player, uh, you know, six, 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 seven, maybe now um, this guy is he looks the part of a big league player. He is a big league player. Um, he carries himself as a big league player. And so he has he's basically taken that step up. And, and, you know, I've also pulled up his baseball savant page. One thing that I'm impressed by is his hit spray chart. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. He is not like just a dead pull hitter. If you look at his spray chart, that ball is all over the place. Um, he is hitting the ball everywhere to every part of the field. Uh, the, the only place where he maybe isn't hitting it is dead center right now. Um, but this is showing that this is a guy who we've heard about the plus bat. And I think we're saying that this is going to be a guy who's going to be a plus hitter and he's going to be a plus plus power hitter. And so when you put those things together, even if the defense isn't, gold glove award winning this is an all-star type player but i do think he has the athleticism that he could be a an above average outfielder if that's where he sticks um i would not be surprised if two or three years from now this guy is maybe one of the top five top 10 outfielders uh because of his defense well and he's you know there was an i saw something i didn't read the whole article or anything about it but i saw the the blurb about him and Willie McGee and how, you know, McGee's on him. He's hard on him. And, and that's what Walker want needs. He's what he said that he said, I need, you know, I need him. He's going to, he's telling me what I'm doing wrong and, and it's helping me adjust to, to do it right. And, uh, you know, Willie could play the outfield a little bit. So I think he probably has an idea of how to, to get it through these guys. That's, that's why Willie McGee's on this team and uh, as a coaching staff and um, yeah, it's, it's paid off much like we've seen in the past where people spend a whole lot of time around Jose Akindo and all of a sudden they can, they can play a lot better defense as well. Um, McGee's doing that for Walker and uh, you're right. I don't know. I don't know if I'd go as far as to say he's going to be that good. Uh, but I'm, I do think it's definitely not out of the question. What do you think it looks like for Willie McGee to be hard on somebody? I, I can't see it. <laughs> like it just... uh, I think you get that disappointed look and you know, it's going to hurt. Well, that would, yeah. Okay. I, yeah. yeah. It's that like, would, man, that would be painful. You know, but think you disappointed Willie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You can't do that. So I just, I, I, there's, I, there's no way he's a yelling and screaming type of coach. It's, no, no, that I makes more sense. So. Yeah. To get that, the parent, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> um, 
I talk a little. I want to talk a little bit. I was reading this article before we got on the show here. Um, it's John Denton writing it, so on MLB.com to take it all for what it's worth. Um, but it's talking about to Miles Michaelis and about how he plans to use this winter to retool and refocus um, and try to, you know, get better, which is what people do in the winter for sure. Um, how confident are you that he can do that? Um, you know, he's currently, I think I saw in the la- the bottom 1% of strikeout rate or whiff rate. Um, strikeout rate has dropped significantly. Um, you know, given the fact that the Cardinals are trying to get better in those numbers, I mean, is this a thing that you think he can make some adjustments to his pitches or how he's throwing them and, and get that kind of strikeout rate to increase? Or is this one of those situations where people talk a lot about they're going to work on the winner and then they come back and the results are the same next year. Well, I'm going to turn this into a football podcast just for a second. Hang on now. We can't be doing that. (laughs) You know, week one of NFL. So I need to do this, but um, you know, I had a conversation with a friend being here in Tennessee. I I am not a Titans fan, but I've had conversations with friends who are Titans fans and them trying to convince me that Ryan Tannehill is a top 15 quarterback in the NFL. And I, I just don't believe it. I think he's more of a game manager and he's definitely more towards the lower half. Anyway, Today, Tannehill had a rough game. Three interceptions, could not hit open receivers, missed some easy touchdowns and things like that. And I had a friend text me today, and he said, today he looked like a 35-year-old quarterback. Mm -hmm. And when he said that, I thought, man, that could also be said about Miles Michaelis. He is a 35-year-old pitcher. There aren't many pitchers that hit 35 and then get better from there on. Typically, that's where you see things start slowing down a little bit. Now, Michaelis is a weight room warrior. Uh, he's probably the strongest guy on the team, as we've talked about before, mm-hmm. even stronger than Tyler O'Neill, they say. And so he's putting in the work to get better. But typically at this point in the career, you can't expect a guy to get better, especially if a guy has not had strikeout stuff. Uh, it's not just going to develop overnight. And if it's been gone for a couple years, it's not. he's not suddenly going to be striking out 12 guys per game going into next year. So maybe I'm wrong and I hope I'm wrong, but I feel like what we're seeing right now is about what we're going to get next year. Now, maybe there's a few mechanics and a few tweaks that can fix things. Maybe he's hurting in places we don't know, but I think this is about what it looks like. And that's why I think if you go into next year with him as your one or your two, you are in major trouble. One could even argue, and I think maybe you were the one that made this point, that if he's your three, you could also be in trouble as well. Mm. And so, you know, while I'd love to believe him that every other year he seems to have a great year and maybe he'll be an all-star next year, father time comes for everybody. And 35 is starting to look a little iffy for a lot of guys. Well, especially when you don't have that overwhelming stuff to start easing into finesse if you need to, you know, about the Justin Verlanders, the Mike, uh, Max Scherzers that have that kind of, you know, hard stuff can get by for a little bit longer as they get older and, and start, even though we've seen a little bit of that hitting, especially Scherzer this year, um, they've got a little bit of something They you know, they still have something to fall back on. If you're starting as a finesse pitcher and then people are hitting you, you can't just all of a sudden turn around and become a flamethrower. Um, it doesn't work that way. And I don't know. I mean, it was interesting, you know, reading this article about 
you know, lack of run support, which is true. I mean, he's, you know, they've scored three runs or fewer for him. It says 24 out of his 31 starts, but you know, he's given up five runs or more in 10 of those starts. Um, and he's given up three runs or more in 17 of his or 18, I guess now of his 31 starts. It's, it's not, it's not helped him in his run, you know, that they haven't scored, but it's not been all that either. Right. I mean, we've seen some really ugly games out of Michaelis this year. Um, and it wasn't all in April. I mean, it's been all the way through and including today, which granted some of those runs, I think a run or two maybe have scored after he came, after he left the game, but still it's, it's frustrating when a guy like that, when we come into the season, that's your, that was possibly the number one guy on this team. Right. I mean, it depends on if you thought Jack Flaherty was going to be, uh, what Jack Clarity could be, but he was pretty much going to have to be your number one guy. And the fact that he probably still is, um, at least now that Jordan Montgomery's not here, uh, probably tells you why the Cardinals are in last place. Yeah. You know, I think back to that very first game of the year, which was such a weird game that it felt mm-hmm. like he, he did not pitch well at all. And it felt like the Cardinals were going to lose and suddenly they come back and then we think, wait, where they're going to win this game and they blow a save. And, it was just a mess. Well, it basically summed up the entire year. Little did we know that that was going to happen. But I think a lot of that kind of summed up his entire season and where he's at this year. I mean, his his whip is up over the last couple of years. Like you mentioned, his strikeouts are down. Um, his fastball just does not play. Uh, guys are seeing it very well. Um, he, Like you said, he doesn't get the swing and miss stuff. He doesn't get the strikeouts. I mean, his whiff rate is terrible. His chase rate's not good. Um, he's a pitch to contact guy. You know, he, he's a guy that would have fit in very well in the Dave Duncan days. Um, you probably could have flipped him and Woody Williams, yep. him and Jeff Supon, and it would just, you know, been fine. Um, as a guy who's maybe your four or your five just doesn't work. It's top of the rotation. Um, cause I, I doubt that velocity somehow is going to tick up to 95, 96. Now we know he can hit that but that's not typically where he's at on average when you start getting in the middle of games. And so, you know, when Mo talked about needing to go out and get three starting pitchers, you probably need to get three starting pitchers that are going to be above miles Michaelis in the rotation. I think he's still a guy that can fit the rotation somewhere, but he cannot be in the top half. Uh, Yeah, I think, I think that's right. Um, Because it is, I mean, and it's not, uh, you know, again, maybe he can adjust a little bit because he was a pitch to contact guy. You take away the shift. I feel like there's a little bit of that, right? I mean, you got to try to figure out a little bit better of how to pitch because you don't have a guy, you don't have three guys standing up the middle on, on some of these guys and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, his FIP is a little bit better than his ERA, but not significantly. I mean, so it's not like it's all you know, it, it's not like it's the defense is, is all the issue. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, again, you're right. He's, he's putting up 2.6, uh, fan graphs war, which is right in line with his 2.8 from last year. Uh, even though his numbers last year were significantly better. Um, you know, whether there's still, there's still a spot for him, as you said, but it just has to be really low in, in this, in this rotation. And it feels like, you know, if the car, even if the Cardinals wanted to go internal, man, some of those, some of those guys, the way we've seen Zach Thompson pitch right now, 
you would probably take him over Miles Michaelis if you thought both of these things were going to continue. Hundred percent, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, Thompson. Yes, you. I think you could do that if you start having a rotation that includes Miles Michaelis, Stephen Matz, Zach Thompson, and Dakota Hudson. Mm, come on now. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, at that point, it almost doesn't matter who you put at the top of the rotation. I don't think the rotation's any better than it was to start this year. Uh, mm. Maybe a little bit better, but not significantly better. So, yeah. Um, Thompson is the only internal option right now who I think could be considered for the rotation next year. And I think even at that point, you're talking maybe a number five. Um, I've been impressed by what he's done uh, towards the back end of this year. You know, his season's so weird because he, he started mm. off spring training was unhittable, looked pretty good out of the Cardinals bullpen. And then suddenly they're making him into a starter, but they say he won't start until 2024. And we all said, what in the world's going on? And, you know, then everything else hit the fan. Uh, but he's probably been one of the few, if not the only bright spot in the rotation this year. Um, maybe Matt's before he got hurt. Uh, but yeah, what we've seen from him tells me that, yeah, this guy with the, with the way he's throwing that cutter, um, his stuff can play at the major league level. It needs a little bit refining, but I could see him being in the rotation. But if he's in the rotation, if you're using him, Michaelis, and Mats, you better either trade big or spend big to get two top guys. You better have a 1A and 1B at the top of the rotation because uh, things could go sideways very fast. Yeah, yeah. If the Cardinals do get the three pitchers that they think they're going to get, whoever those guys may be, whatever value there is to that, you know, we're going into that saying, okay, they get three, then it's Michaelis and Mats. Do you see a scenario where one of those guys gets moved to the bullpen if Thompson's strong in the spring? I mean, we've seen Matt's in the bullpen. We know he can do that, but he pitched so well down the stretch that it's hard to imagine the club would move him. I can't see them moving Michaelis to the bullpen, even though maybe that would be an interesting little thing. But, I mean, I don't know. Do you think that there's just absolutely – if they get three new pitchers, is there absolutely no way that, that Thompson or, or somebody like that can make the rotation? I think that only happens if they bring in three bona fide starters, guys who they have told – you have a role. I think, I think one of the things that hurts them is just from chatter. I've heard that, you know, sometimes they talk to pitchers and basically tell them we want to sign you as a possible starter or a swing man or something like that. Mm -hmm. Or, or like we heard with like Cody Bellinger, you know, you, you may be our fourth outfielder or platoon guy. And you know, why would I want to go there when I can go play every day in Chicago or something right, like that? Right. And so, yeah, I think the only way that happens is if they actually do bring in, those three starters and that third starter would have to be somebody who is a solid starter who has essentially been guaranteed a role in the rotation. Otherwise, uh, yeah, I think that it would not surprise me if they put Thompson's name in as a starter in pencil, at least for right now, but he's one of those guys that if he would struggle in the spring, it's not hard to move him to the bullpen. Right. Um, whereas if you sign somebody, I'm, I'm trying to think I, Sonny Gray is probably too high up there, but let's say like mm -hmm. a Clevenger or a Seth Lugo or somebody like that, you're not going to move them to the bullpen. If you sign them, you've basically told them they're starting unless they're injured. So that's the only scenario I can see where that actually happens. And maybe it does. Maybe that's something that they actually do. Maybe that's kind of in their plans. But if you're going to move somebody to the bullpen, yeah, it's it's probably going to be Thompson um, 
more than anybody else. I, I think somebody like Libertor is probably already going to be there. And so I think Thompson's probably the only guy that has that open door either way. Yeah. We saw Mason Wynn hit his first home run this week. Another one of those ones that didn't feel like it, it went in the right space, the right place, uh, in the right ballpark. Um, he, you know, looking at his overall numbers, he's hitting a little under 150. He struck out 15 times so far. Um, I, again, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say uh, we're concerned or anything like that. Were you a little surprised that he is, has kind of hit this as after being so strong in Memphis? Not really, uh, especially being called up in the middle of the season or towards the end of the season. No, um, I, I, I think this is kind of about what you expect for a rookie who's coming up like this. Uh, you know, defense has been pretty good. There have been some shaky moments, but he's he's still learning the position at a big mm-hmm. league level. Uh, he's seeing exit velocities that he's never seen before. So everything to him is all pretty new. Uh, so, no, I, I I think this is about what to expect. I'm not one of the people that's, like, scared about next year or anything like that. I think he's going to be fine. And so kind of par for the course, I think, for, for a rookie that's this young, already making his major league debut. Um, do you have any concerns with what you're seeing? Well, because I haven't seen anything, no. Um, but no, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, again, that's that was kind of what you expected. But you, you'd like to have seen like a two hundred average or something like that. But um, I mean, he was so hot in Memphis, he was probably going to cool down no matter. And like you said, this is he's played some tough teams. He played some teams that are in the hunt. They face some good pitching, um, and. Yeah, it was all about getting his feet wet. I mean, if they wanted him, if they needed him to be, you know, what he was in Memphis, then that was going to be a problem. Um, I just hope that this is a a good enough, you know, a good way for him to go into the winter and say, okay, now I know what this is like and come out strong next year. Because, I mean, if he's hitting 150 after two months of next year, then I think we start seeing a little bit more concern over this. But I don't think that's going to happen. No, I, I'm with you on that too. Um, I think he's fine. Let's just hope the Cardinals don't try to like move him out to center field or something like that and mess things up. But uh, I, the bat's going to play. His speed is going to play too. Yeah. Um, he doesn't have to have the power at the major league level. I, I think it will come along. But yeah, I, I think I think he's perfectly where he needs to be right now. And I'm looking forward to both him and Walker being in the lineup next year. Speaking of speed, Victor Scott, too, steals, I think, three bases today to make it to 93 on the season in the minor leagues. Um, he's got still some work to do in the minors, uh, you know. But it feels like that's a guy that this time next year could be on the major league roster. Uh, and I think that should be a lot of fun as well. Yeah, you know, maybe he earns his way up and he's playing every day for the Cardinals next year. What I'm hoping is that this team is so good next year that they've got a playoff spot locked up. You bring him up, let him play a little bit, but he's a guy that you use in the playoffs as a pinch runner or maybe Mm -hmm. a defensive specialist towards the end of the game because he does have elite defense. But um, he's one of those guys that if you get into a one-run game or a tie game in the seventh, eighth, or ninth inning and Cardinals put him on for you know the catcher or something like that, uh, it may take two pitches before he gets to third base. A little bit... Willie Mays Hayes yes. uh, from Major League. But uh, yeah, he's exciting to watch. A um, lot of fun. Still, you know, some things with the bat, and he's never going to be a power guy, but um, 
yeah, he's coming and it's, uh, it's fun to watch. Yeah. Which, you know, the outfit has always been an issue and we we're still going to, you know, I don't know if his approach again, being that he's late 2024, probably more like 2025 to make an impact affects how the Cardinals approach this winter with their outfielder. But you know, it might, um, you know, just to, so they can make sure that there's a spot for him when he is ready. Um, speaking of, there's another outfielder that might be on the market. Um, of course, Harrison it's also, Bader. right. I mean, Harrison Bader is obviously who you want to get in here. I mean, he's the top, top guy out there, but this other guy that Bob Nightingale, which it's Bob Nightingale. So take that for it's worth, um, was talking about was, um, Oh, some guy out in Anaheim. I think it was, his name is Trout. Randall um, oh, no. Yeah, no, no, I think he's, he's still on waivers. So I think the Cardinals could pick him up for the stretch run. I mean, you know, Mike Trout is in theory going to be if he wants. And my, my goodness, if I'm Mike Trout, I know Shohei Otani's leaving. I've seen the dysfunction that's the angels for a long time now. Uh, hey, what do you think? I mean, do you think Mike Trout comes to him and says, look, okay, I'm, I've done this. We got to get out of here. Um, and if so, do you think they actually move him? This to me feels like a PR tactic by the same organization that released every single player they <laughs> traded for at the trade deadline. I think what this does, this is them trying to wash their hands of any blame and any controversy and put it all on Mike Trout. That way, if somehow they do trade him, they can say, well, we only traded him because he came to us asking for a trade. He came to us and he asked us to move him because he wasn't happy, but we had no intention of doing that. If they don't move him, then it looks like they're the hero for keeping the superstar there. So I, I really feel like this is just a major PR move on their part. And I, I, now it may tick him off and he may say, well, if you're going to play dirty like that, then sure. I, I want to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like this is the angels maybe trying to find a way to get rid of him. It may be them trying to find a way to get rid of his contract. I mean, he is owed. See, I looked at it. It's like a little over 35 million a year through mm-hmm. 2030. Uh, and you know what? If the guy is playing 150 games a year, he's worth that but he can't stay on the field and he can't stay healthy. And so they're, they've made a lot of these dumb contracts. Uh, you think back to Vernon Wells. I mean, really Albert Pujols is another one. They are just not smart with how they spend their money. And when they spend their money and their guys can't stay healthy, can't stay on the team. Anthony Rendon is another one. So I feel like this is them either trying to take the blame off themselves or they're trying to actually prod him and provoke him to request a trade so they can get rid of his contract. That's at least that's my two cents. I may be way off on that, but um, they're not exactly the uh, smartest and wisest organization out there. No, they're not. And they used up pretty much any kind of up and coming prospect capital to trade for the guys that they wound up cutting uh, a month later, which is always the way you want to do that. Um, Yeah. I think honestly, if, I think if I'm Mike Trout, I look at this and like, look, this team is not going to win while I'm here. I mean, there's just no doubt, right? I mean, if Otani, they couldn't win with him and Otani. If Otani leaves, Mike Trout's getting older. They don't have any prospects coming up. Um, You know, Anthony Rendon is the thing out there. Um, It's just very difficult to see how that's not like a a basement sweat dollar for an extended period of time. 
But if they can trade Mike Trout and get something for him, so something close to his value, but that, then again, you know, how much money are they going to have to pay to get, you know, any kind of good prospects back? I don't know. I think it's an interesting little wrinkle for this offseason. It does feel like this is a situation where the Cardinals, if they didn't need pitching so desperately, would be in on this. Because this is exactly, this This feels like Goldschmidt, Arenado all over again, doesn't it? Um, I, I, a guy that they can, one, that they know the price, they know what the price is, they love their, you know, cost certainty. A guy that's still going to be good for, I mean, Trout's just 31, you know, season th- his 31 seasons, I think he's turned 32 during the year. Um, you know, he's still got, in theory, good years on him if he can stay healthy, as you said. Uh, this feels like the Cardinals would be in on it, but it, there's just no way they could be, right? Yeah, I don't think so. Not with needing the pitching that they need, um, especially because either they're going to have to spend a lot to get this pitching or they're going to have to trade where it hurts to get this, and that would probably then hurt any chance of getting him. But yeah, I don't think they can take on that $35 million a year, and I don't know if, I don't know if it would even be a smart move. I mean – yeah, in a lot of ways, it does seem like that type of thing that they'd be interested in. You don't know what the Angels ask would be either. Right. They may want something stupid, ridiculous. But yeah, Trout, the last time he played 140 games was 2018. And you look at his numbers this year, you just look offensive numbers only. He's hitting 263 with 18 home runs. It's kind of funny. His offensive numbers look very similar to Jordan Walker's numbers. Yeah. Um, and what he's done this year now, defensively trout is amazing. And, and when the guy's on, he's going to lead your team. I mean, you put him at the leadoff spot on this Cardinals team and Holy cow, like, mm-hmm. wow, that lineup just looks completely different. I'd love to see him wearing a different shade of red. I just think with the pitching issues right now, there's just absolutely no chance. And I really don't know how many teams would even take that chance with that contract, unless the angels are going to cover some of it. And I don't think they will uh, with that contract, with the asking price, with his injury history, you are taking a major gamble because you're probably, I mean, you're getting his best for maybe 120 games a year. If you're lucky, and how many years are you getting that? I don't know. Five, four. It it just seems like that is taking a huge risk. But, you know, if we found out tomorrow the Cardinals did it, which we can't, but, you know, <laughs> December, uh, you're not going to find me upset, probably. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, yeah, he had 500 plate appearances last year and put up a 6.3 baseball reference war, hit 40 homers and was eighth in the MVP voting. So, you know, if you got that, if you could get 120 of that, yeah, I mean that's interesting, and, and and you have to figure the Angels are going to pick up something because there's, you're right. If 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 you're going to just trade Mike Trout at that right, you're not getting a team's number one prospect. You're getting, you know, four or five or six lower level prospects or something of that nature. It's not like well, it's kind of like what Steve Cohen did on uh, Verlander, right? He paid a whole lot of that contract so he get the Astros' top guy. Um. I mean, it is intriguing, right? It is fun to think about. It would mean that you could clear out pretty much all of your outfielders um, in trades this year. Um, maybe part of that, but you're right. I, if the Cardinals did that and did the pitching, I think somebody would have to check and make sure that Bill Dewitt was still actually alive or as not just some wax statue and somebody has taken over. Um, because that would be a lot of fun, right? Go get Mike Trout, go get three pitchers, and be like the best team in baseball next year. That would be, I would be fine with that. I just don't think that's kind of in their DNA. 
Yeah, you know, if he's under a cheaper contract, that might happen. Um, you know, you know, <laughs> I'm thinking in my head like this does fit that mold of Matt Holiday, Scott Rowland, even Larry Walker coming mm-hmm. in. Like you mentioned, Goldschmidt, Arenado. I just think this one's a little too rich for their blood. And you know, it's one of those things where you're like, man, if they just had a couple like guys that were on the cusp of the major leagues that we thought next year they've been like killing it in Memphis. You know, if Tink Hens was ready to make right. that jump to be the number one or two guy, yeah, that might make sense. But um I don't think that's gonna happen and I don't think the Cardinals will be trading away any huge contracts. And so I think more likely is we're going to see the Cardinals trade a <clears throat> Nolan Gorman, hurts to say, uh something along those lines to get a pitcher but I, I doubt they will move a center fielder. I don't think they're going to trade Tommy Edmond for Mike Trout straight up and then cover some of that. I mean, if they want to, that's okay. Um, I, you know, yeah, I wonder, though. I mean, if you could get that contract down to $18 million a year, $20 million a year, what if it, if you could get it for that and it had took you, if it took 10 hints and one other prospect and then whatever change, you know, it, you know, is that an interesting, is that an interesting possibility? Um, because if you're going out and getting three starters this year, I mean, obviously Tinkins is still, you want to keep Tinkins, don't get me wrong. But if you're going out and getting three starters, especially a couple of which are going to be there for two or three more years, you know, is that a price you could pay to get a coming up hall of famer? Um, Again, I, I don't think it's happening. It's just one of those things to kind of kind of kick around and try to talk yourself into. But and then you go into reality and the Cardinals sign, you know, Jose Quintana as their first <laughs> ace, and then you're like, oh yeah, this is the team we're we're following. So, um, yeah, you know, what I think is more likely is we're going to see one of those teams, the typical overspenders, overspend. If he really mm-hmm. is available, he's going to be a Met. He's going to be a Padre. He may be a Philly. He may end up in Chicago uh, somewhere. I don't know if they could actually pull that off, though. But I that's where I see. Or maybe he, maybe he doesn't actually leave L.A. Maybe he just switches jerseys in place yeah. for the Dodgers. But, yeah, I, I could see one of those teams with one of the crazy owners, especially an owner like in San Diego or New York, where they fell on their face this year, rather than being humbled by that saying, now I have to go back and double down. Let's go get Trout. Let's go get this guy. Let's go get this guy. And we see the same thing all over again. And, and that's fair. I, that's absolutely true. I wonder if, you know, of course, I don't, if, if he went to the Mets, I don't think it would make an impact. But you wonder if some of these other guys got a Trout, would it make an impact on the starting pitching market? And the fact that, you know, all of a sudden they can't go after a Snell or a Yamioto or, or anything of that nature, which, which helps the Cardinals out, you know, something like that. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think, I don't think there is a limit for the Mets. So I wouldn't, you know, they could probably get everybody and not, and not ever break a sweat, but other teams with a little bit more concern, even, even the Yankees who have been trying to, you know, kind of be a little bit more payroll cautious at times. You wonder if they did go after a guy like that, if it would impact, maybe help the Cardinals out in that regard. Um, I don't know. Uh, again, this is all speculation. All that's out there is probably, you know, probably Mike Trout is an angel again next year. Because, but it's it's a little bit of a wrinkle to watch. And like I said, it does have that, you know, not necessarily for the Cardinals, although it does have that feel. 
but that idea of, you know, there was a lot of buzz around Nolan Arenado wanting to be traded or for two or three years before he did. Um, it kind of feels like when you start seeing reports like this, that something's going to happen this off season, even if the Cardinals aren't probably involved. Yeah. And let's just hope he doesn't go to a rival. That's yeah. <laughs> that's not all I could say at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's absolutely fair. If he's wearing a Cubs Jersey next year, uh, that's, uh, that's not a, lo- a world I want to live in. Then again, you know, the I didn't really want to live in a world after 2016 uh, when they won the World Series. So you take what you get, I guess. Um, Cardinals play the Orioles. I mean, what do you think in there? Uh, is this a situation where the Cardinals continue to go in? And they've done pretty well against the, NL, uh, the AL East this year, which is surprising given the, the state of their team. Um, they've done pretty well against contenders this last week. Is that a situation where they can continue that and, you know, might be win two out of three there. Maybe so. Uh, Baltimore's kind of been a little up and down. They've actually been a little bit hotter lately. Like you mentioned, I'd feel better if they're facing off against Flaherty, but they're not. Uh, but, you know, at this point, nothing with this team would surprise me. So, you know, I'm going to predict they actually take the series again. Uh, could be wrong. They may end up getting swept, but yeah, sure. Why not? Let's go with it. Cardinals are going to win the series. And then they get the Phillies this weekend, uh, another team that they can kind of do a little damage to. So find out. We'll find out and see. Also, before we leave, I think it's very important to point out that a lot of things have gone wrong for the Cardinals this year. Almost everything has gone wrong for the Cardinals this year. But they have not lost a game where they threw a no-hitter for nine plus innings um so you know you got that going for you i don't know uh, if you saw that brewers game. Yeah, yeah yeah which well i was thinking like let's see do we have an hour where we want to talk about is it truly a no hitter when more than one pitcher <laughs> throws and once it goes to 11 innings um yeah yeah there yeah yeah <laughs> Do you have a problem with combined no hitters? Because that may be the only way we see that. Well, I got to say that we've seen normal ones this year, but um, is is that a lesser no hitter in your mind? Um, you know, it's more of a no hitter than when the Mets get one because the right. umpire missed a call uh, and there was no replay at the time. The ball that hits uh, the chalk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was a double. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I guess I technically, I guess, yes, it is it. It's a team, a shared no hitter. I, okay, yeah, put it in the record books, but it, it doesn't have the same feeling. It, mm-hmm. uh, if it makes you feel better at night, sure. Uh, if people want to take it, um, I'm sure if it happened against the Cardinals, I'd be arguing against it. If the Cardinals did it, I'd be saying absolutely it is. Uh, I'm going to be a homer in that sense, but uh, I, I, okay, sure. Yeah, they're definitely becoming more prevalent, right? I mean, I think, you know, when we were growing up, there was one every once in a while, but you know, it was a no hitter because the pitcher, you know, they didn't take a guy out when he was throwing a no hitter. Um, nowadays, not so much. I think it would have been absolutely hilarious if the Brewers had lost the game because the zombie runner got bunted to third and they hit a sack fly. And so they actually lost the game, giving up <laughs> no hits. That would be pretty amazing. Um, Which I mean, I, it's, it has happened before, but not in that form, not in that fashion. Yeah, 
it, you, you almost wonder if MLB would change the rules of extra innings if that happened no. because of the chaos that that would cause. That would, yeah. They would. Um, Larson loses his perfect game yeah. <laughs> in the World Series because the ghost runner. Yeah. 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 Goes has, has, no perfect games after nine innings this year. So, um, I, I mean, I don't know. That would be, that would be, I don't, that would, that would blow some minds for sure. You know, a perfect game. A new segment, deep thoughts with Daniel on here. <laughs> the what be, ifs of the baseball world. Hey, what else are we going to do? Talk about this team. So, um, <laughs> you know, we've got, some, we've got a few more weeks to fill. So let's, uh, we may have to try that. So until next time, which maybe we'll have more deep thoughts about um, baseball and life and all these other things. Um, I'm Daniel. That's David. Good night. See ya. Hey, Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under podcasts and click subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.